Welcome to Church Alive. We're located in the heart of Rutherford, New Jersey, and we're ready to reach, teach, and empower people to impact their generation for Christ. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome home. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're new to church today, man, God bless you. Who believes God has something for you today? Um, I really do. I really do. I think heaven's going to show up today. How many came to church to just waste your time? No? The rest of you came for something good? Come on. The rest of you came for something good? Um, how was your week? Was it pretty good? Was it good? <laughs> All right. Just check it. <laughs> um, don't miss Easter. Don't, uh, don't be a bringer on Easter. I'm going to talk about the blue book. Um, this week, why? Getting us ready for Easter. Actually, you're going to get emails on Monday talking about Easter and making sure you're following us on the Blue Book and so forth and how do we study the Bible and, and everything else. But uh, I want you to stand to your feet and let's, uh, I think uh, some of you look tired. Some of you look amazing, but some of you look tired. And so I just want you to stand up, make sure there's no one asleep in the house before I get ready to preach. Because uh, how many know that you can sometimes miss God? You don't want to miss God. Um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to take a little aerobic class right now. Who's ready? Who's ready? Guys, who's ready? The women always hate this, but the men love it. Who's, what man's just going to jump up and down? Just come on. All the men. If the women, you can if you want to. Women normally just stare at me and just go, Rob Jelinski, why aren't you jumping up and down? Come on. Let's go. Let's go. I just want to see a little life in church today. All right, take a seat. High five someone and tell them, glad you're here. And then... How many ladies appreciated the fact that I just didn't even ask you to do it because I'm, I'm sick of the New Jersey stairs when I've ever done anything like that? Just look at me like, I'm not at the gym. <laughs> Jesus, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for today. Holy Spirit, I thank you. You're already here and you've been brooding upon this place and brooding upon your people. And I just ask God that there would be a significant moment in the heart of this church, even now, that people would catch something and, and it would set them on fire like never before. I pray, oh God, for the fires that sit within the hearts of your people. Lord, those that burn bright, Lord, may they burn brighter. Those that are a bit lower, God, may it just breathe on them the breath of heaven and those perhaps who never caught fire. Today, I pray that there would be something from heaven to the heart of men that would shift and change in the name of Jesus. I declare, Lord, this a powerful moment in this church, in this life. And I declare that destinies will shift and change even from this day on in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, everyone said. How many enjoyed the, the series 50 Shades of They? So I figured I'd follow on from Fifty Shades of They and just really talk to you about the next uh, two weeks on the subject of push. Someone say push. Come on, say push. Now, Fifty Shades of Hay gets you pregnant. That's what I found. 
Inception is the easy bit. Getting pregnant is the easy bit. But how many ladies, just put up your hand if you've had a baby in here. How many ladies had a baby in here? Okay, us men, we have no idea really what's going on in, in your life. But at the same time, I've been around my wife now, two pregnancies and then a second, or sorry, a third pregnancy, and she's now in the third trimester. There's the first trimester of pregnancy, if you don't know. And that is normally where the woman just likes to throw up a lot. That's what she likes to do. She's morning sickness. I don't know why they call it morning sickness. It should be called all day sickness. That's what it should be defined as most time. 12 weeks of basically wanting to throw up unless you're eating bread constantly to keep it down. How many ladies, that was your experience? A couple of you. And uh, anyway, the second trimester is kind of the glory trimester, ladies, right? Second trimester, you're like, you're happy about it, you're thrilled, you're like, yeah, this is awesome, I'm pregnant, and you're planning things, and you're getting the house ready, you're doing all kinds of things. And the third trimester, those shifts, you got 12 weeks to go, you're feeling bigger, you're calling yourself fat all the time, you're doing all the things that ladies love to do, and, and you're feeling a little bit sorry for yourself because your belly's too big, and it's hard to get off the couch, haven't you noticed, ladies? Some of the men are completely disconnected right now. It's like, uh, I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, however, I help my wife off the couch these days. She doesn't get off by herself. Yeah, honey, I kind of give her this lift and so forth. I hurt my back the other day. And uh, anyway, I shouldn't have said that in church. <laughs> Come on. But the third trimester obviously comes, and then there's a moment where it's no longer third trimester, now it's labor time. Water breaks, rush to the hospital, doctors and nurses and all kinds of stuff is going on, and finally you're having contractions and there's breathing and hoo-hoo, ha-ha, and all that kind of thing that they taught you. And then finally there gets to this point where there's just a point and the doctors come alongside you and the nurses come alongside you and they just say, listen, honey, it's up to you now. You got to push. Someone say push. And I actually believe in the things of God that many times there is a time to push. And I feel like what is on my heart for our church prophetically, in essence, at this time, is church, this is our time to push. This is our time to pray until something happens. This is our time to serve until something happens. This is our time to share until something happens. This is our time. Someone say push. Matthew chapter 16 says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Great question, who is Jesus? If you've never met Jesus, you should at least be asking yourself that question, man, who is Jesus? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And that is still the, the conversation of today. Maybe he's this, maybe he's a teacher, maybe he's a good, good guy, maybe he was a nice person. Simon Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. It literally means the sent one of God, that from ages past, from basically when Adam and Eve fell in the garden to this time, there was a prophecy that a Messiah, a, a superman, if you'd like to say at that time, that he would come and he would literally rescue people. And so when, when Peter, Jesus literally asking the 12 around him, and he's like, guys, you've been hanging out with me long enough. Who do you think I am? And Jesus, and Peter says, you are the Messiah, the sent one of God. 
And Jesus replied, blessed to you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. Someone say Peter. Now, this is a whole nother sermon altogether. I'm not going to get into that. But let me just encourage you with this thought. If you've never found yourself, first find God and you'll quickly find yourself. If you're just not sure about who you are and what you're meant to do, you don't look in the mirror to find yourself. You look to heaven and find yourself. Because when he found Jesus, Jesus said to him, you're no longer Simon, you are Peter. And you'll find your identity and I'll find my identity if we'll find ourselves in God. Someone say amen. Come on, say amen. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I don't know why, but I had a very strange picture of this scripture. For I think a number of years, and I'm a pastor and I have read the Bible a lot since I was 18. Read it almost every single day of my life since I was 18. That's a lot of reading the Bible. But I had this weird picture of what this scripture meant. See, here's the picture that I had of this scripture. I pictured Christians kind of persecuted, like, and the gates of hell pressing against us, like they're coming after us, and there's these gates coming, and they're pressing, and, 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 and luckily the gates of hell won't quite overcome the Christian, but he hides there, and he's just like, oh, the gates of hell are pressing against me. Have you ever had a fight with a gate, though? Has a gate ever tried to beat you up? Have you ever just been walking along and a gate ran behind you and started hitting you behind the head and it was a gate and you're like, demon of gateness, get away from me. No one's happened to? Maybe just once? No? But what is so interesting about this picture and for some reason why I pictured it this way was somehow a very wrong perception of what the church is. See, the church is not a place where we come to hide. It actually says that in Scripture, it says, listen, I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates literally of hell will not overcome it. In other words, the church of the living God is forcefully advancing against the gates of hell and the gates of hell cannot stand against it. They must fall down so that the people of God go rescue those who are in darkness. Are you with me, church? And I think that we've got to do away with passive Christianity. I think we're going to do away with just showing up to church. I think we're going to do away with that. Because I want to tell you, there is something in your life and there is a blessing in your life that only comes with some fervency and some faith. And I'm not telling you to try and become a zealot, but I am telling you this, is that there is real, genuine faith. And I've found that the will of God is always opposed. God puts a dream in people's hearts. God wants to, haven't you noticed, you started coming to church for six weeks or six months and all of a sudden you started noticing that all hell started breaking loose in your home. Don't worry, it's just an attack, but you are called to overcome. Matthew 11 verse 12 says this from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. All the men say violent. 
Come on, men, say violent. Come on, shout violent. All the women say violent. It didn't sound as good though, but anyway. But isn't there something, men, about us that we kind of need, like an intensity? We want to fight. We, uh, my son is six, and he wants to kick someone. He wants to punch someone. He wants to ninja turtle someone. And it's just something about men that they want to fight. But many times we come into Christianity, and we kind of come in, and then we just get apathetic. We get apathetic and sometimes even pathetic. Because I want to tell you that if, if your faith is boring, there's a reason. There's, a, there's a, the gates of hell are pressing maybe against you. And you need to start pressing against those gates. This scripture verse, man, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, that the kingdom of God was so, was so valuable that people thought it was so worth it that they would violently try and get into it. They were violently trying to take it by force. They recognized its incredible value. If people understood how good the grace of God was, do you know there wouldn't be stadiums big enough to fill with the churches. People should be lighting up, not for the clubs, but for the churches, because they understand. They understand that what is so valuable, the world has nothing to say, but knows how to say it. The church has everything to say, but many times doesn't know how to say it. Isn't it interesting that anytime a business moves forward, it's successful. If a church moves forward, people start wondering, why is it, why is it successful? Why? Because the gates of hell are like getting nervous and so they just start spreading rumours about that church. They just start saying, oh, start questioning its motives and send out lies and deception. But a company can, can literally make billions of dollars and be profiting and doing so well. Yet if a church begins to expand and so forth, people will love to call it a cult. Why? Because the will of God is being opposed in your life. I think many times, and I've, I've kind of talked about this a little bit before, sometimes we say, well, it was just God's will. Um, did you notice that Jesus, when he walked around planet Earth, didn't go around just giving cancer, giving handicapped people? They were, handi they were, they were perfectly normal, but he just gave them handicappedness. That would be blasphemy to say. Yet, do you know that many times we embrace a theology? Well, it must be God's will. The will of God many times is opposed, but God let it happen. Sometimes we let it happen because faith actually invades heaven. Faith keeps knocking. Jesus said in Luke 18 in verse 1, he said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. Why? Because there's something in your life. There's something in your life that you cannot get unless you get a little more intense in your faith. And I just want to, this morning, I woke up very early. To be honest, I woke up before my alarm clock. And I was tired last night, went to bed late. I don't know, about 11.30 or so. And at 10 to 5, I woke up, got up. I'm like, man, why am I even up? I have 10 more minutes to sleep. <laughs> you know when you look at your bed longingly, just like, oh, baby, come to me. <laughs> and I literally prayed. I was just like, oh, Lord, can I just go maybe take another hour of sleep? And I just felt like the Lord said to me, no, it's time to push. And for the next two hours, I barely could pray, and I just cried. Because I feel like I'm carrying something. 
but I need you to carry it. I feel like I'm carrying a bigger church in me than we currently are. I feel like I'm walking around with more. See, I believe that the dream of heaven is deposited in Miriam and I, and I believe that we've been pushing for a while and pushing for a while. We've been pushing for about eight years, and we've been pushing for a while, and we've been pushing for a while. Yeah, it's got some steam. It's got some snowball. It's kind of happening a little bit. But I just want to tell you, church, it is our time to push. 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 It is our time. It is our time. It is our time. My God. See, I don't want to preach a sermon to you today. I want to call you to action today. For your faith must be more than it is today. God has not called you to smallness. God has called you to largeness. The devil wants to call you to smallness. The devil wants to keep his church contained. But I want to tell you that the gates of hell cannot prevail against a faith-filled, spirit-filled church. Some of you men in here need to call yourselves men of God. For that is what you are called to be. For you'll either be a man of God or a man of weakness. Which one do you want to be? You'll either be a servant of God or many times you'll be a servant of the devil. Which one would you like to be? Man, I just, I just want to speak into the heart and soul of our church. If you're born again, if you know Jesus, if you call Him Lord, then don't sit in the pew. Serve God. Serve Him with all your heart. Get out of apathy. Do whatever it takes to get out of apathy. Don't just think it's a cute sermon. And listen, if you're new today, like this is too crazy for me. It's okay. Because do you know, do you know that there would not be a church sitting here unless someone had paid the price for you? But I just, I just want to challenge you that the church of the living God needs people who roll up their sleeves and say, listen, I'm going to push. I'm going to pray until something happens. I'm going to serve until something happens. I'm going to give until something happens. I'm going I'm to invite. I'm going to share. I'm going to serve with all my heart. I don't know about you, but I can't play church. Are you playing? Wherever you are, Upon the journey of life, I feel there is a burden in me that I just want to start a fire and I want, the, I want you to have fire. Because I tell you, the Christian life is awesome if you have fire, but you got to get it and you got to keep it. Listen to what Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. Not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on. Someone say, I press. Come on, say, I press. I was watching a Braveheart movie the other day and it, it kind of stirred my thoughts when there were these men and they were pressing against the gates. It was northern England that they were invading and a couple of them were getting shot and hurt and all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, you know, William Wallace and his guys just kind of just go, let's go and let's push. And they ran alongside it and they pushed it. And I just want to see more people coming alongside the house and say, man, let's push together. Let's push together. Let's be not just showing up, but let's push together. 
together. We're going to pray until something happens. I said to a man, yes, uh, recently, I just, when I went to India, I had something in my heart for him. And I just said to him, hey man, I just got to tell you that, that step out of this role of serving because you have to pray for your family. For there is something that if you don't pray for them, they won't walk into. There are those who have paid the price for us. There are those who have paid the price. And I just want to challenge some people. It's up to us. It's up to us to pay the price. Someone say, catch the fire. Come on, say, catch the fire. Someone say, stir it up, Lord. Not that I have already obtained all this, I've already arrived at my goal, but I, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not myself consider yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. What's one thing? You just got to press. Are you with me, church? Let me show to you that sometimes in your life, there has to be an urgency to your faith. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything. Someone say nothing. How are you doing with that one, by the way? Don't be anxious about anything. Then it says, but in every situation by prayer and petition. Someone say petition. Have you ever signed a petition? Some, some political people went up to you and said, I want to sign the petition and so forth. And, and, and they just wanted to get as many names on the list as possible. Just, like, just sign it, sign it, sign it. We've got 100,000 here, we've got a million here and so forth. And prayer and petition means sometimes prayer doesn't get it done. But petition prayer does. Do you want to walk in the peace of God? Sometimes you're worried about something. You're so worried about it, so worried about it. And Petition prayer doesn't get it done. Sorry, prayer, just normal prayer. Jesus taught this. He said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Asking sometimes doesn't get it done. Seeking, know this. That someone asking doesn't get it done. Seeking and then knocking and keep on knocking until something happens. Someone's like, knock. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power. Someone say earnest. Notice it doesn't say apathetic, but passionate. There's something in the heart of God that is moved towards passion. And I just feel like, listen, you may be here spiritually and I just want to bump you up a notch today. I pray that there is a, a faith and a fire that comes in you that just gets you to that next level. And a couple of things we want to do practically to lead through this type of thing. Because I think sometimes it's easy to preach about prayer and people just feel guilty about prayer. It's like, I'm going to pray more and so forth. And, and so for anyone, how many of you serve in a house? Just put up your hand. You serve in our house and you're on any serving team. I wanted our team leaders to choose a 30 minute to maybe 60 minute, however long it takes, to, to have a once a week time where you guys pray together. It doesn't mean you necessarily have to get together, but you know that there's a set time you want to pray. This 
for Easter. We are pushing from a marketing perspective to get the word out about our church and let everyone know. But then we want to push in the next two weeks and say, man, we've got to see more people. We're going to get out of our comfort zone. We're going to push out of our comfort zone. And we've got to invite as many people as possible to the house of God during this time. Come on, church, are you with me? See, I, I think we need to push it from a spiritual perspective, but then I believe that we have to push it from a leadership perspective. It's time to push. The Christian walk is called a walk sometimes, but sometimes it's not time to walk, it's time to run. Jesus said the harvest is white, the tree meant it, it is constant. He said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that there might be workers in the harvest field. I hope you're catching something this morning. Is anyone catching something? Come on, if you're going to give a hand, give a good one. And Pushing in prayer isn't about begging. I want to I want to I want to make sure you know that pushing in prayer is not about begging. It's about pushing. It's about pressing into the promises of God. To the will of God according to what God has said about us. Hear this now. Pushing in prayer isn't about just begging more. God, we need this, we need this, we need this, we need this. But pushing is about pressing into the promises of God, to the will of God, according to what God has said about us. The best example I can use of is 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. The, the King Saul has been toppled. He is, his, his, King David is coming in and King Saul has died and he has cousins and he has uh, uh, all kinds of different relatives and so forth. But in those days, when a king rises to power, the other family that was not part of the kingdom, um, they would kind of stress out. She's like, hold on, I was kind of meant to be a prince. I was kind of meant to be like a, a, a second person, maybe not a prince, but I'd at least be a cousin of royalty. And how many know like cousins of royalty? It goes well for you. You, know, you got money, you kind of, kind of get to choose your girlfriend or, or your wives, or maybe that time you literally chose 10 wives or however it was, and there was riches in your house and so forth. And then there was a guy by the name of a young little baby by the name of Mephibosheth, and a woman came, and and um, she's running down the stairs because she's trying to flee because King David's coming in, and they're like, man, what if they just get rid of this one? And so she trips down the stairs, and Mephibosheth literally... Um, falls down the stairs and as a baby literally breaks his legs and so forth and they then go take the baby and go live in a place called Lodabar it's kind of a, a bummed out area of town and you were basically in the prince's palace or the king's palace and now you're in a place called Lodabar and theologically it literally pl- means the place of no and there is this young boy named Mephibosheth and he used to be a prince and now he's growing up and he's injured his feet and he's basically a cripple and he's in this place where he basically wants to be away from the king and the kingdom and he's in this place of no and then David says about him he says listen is there anyone in the family of Saul that I can show the kindness of God to and they say, yes, there's this young boy by the name of Mephibosheth. And he says, but he's in Lodabar. They're like, listen, go send messengers to Lodabar that this son, 
uh, of Saul can come into my palace and actually sit and eat at the king's table. So the ploy is in the place of Lodabar, the place of no. And now, all of a sudden, he gets to eat at the king's table. In a place of begging, but now he's at the king's table. And too many Christians still beg God. There is a time when you need to get on your knees and say, Father, I'm sorry, I'm a sinner. Save me. Forgive me. Change me. That's humbling yourself under the hand of God. But don't you know that when He does that, He takes you, Jesus takes you out of Lodabar, the place of no. And now He brings you to the King's table. And now you're in the place of yes. And now you're in the place of favor. And now you're in the place of blessing. Come on. And now you're in the place where God blesses and significantly can say, man, you're sitting at the King's table. Doesn't matter what you did in Lodabar. You're not there because of your good performance. And now He's bringing you and He's bringing me over to the place of the King's table. And this, I've been meditating on this recently. I just feel like this has been stirring in my heart. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 says this, But because of His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace. Someone say grace. See, mercy is forgiveness. Mercy is forgiving you. Grace is actually taking you from a place of no position to a place of incredible position. Do you know that that's where Jesus has taken you and I? Verse 6 says this though, And God raised us up with Christ, and He seated us with Him. Where is that? That's at the King's table. Do you know that positionally you've been brought out of Lodabar to the King's table? that that is what Jesus did for you and for me and we can sit at the King's table and therefore we don't beg. And too many times we can be under the table and say, oh man, I want to beg the scraps that fall from the King's table. He's like, no, 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 don't beg from the scraps. Sit at my table and talk to your Father and know that He can bless you. This is why prayer isn't just asking for something from God. It's actually positioning yourself in an attitude of faith. And this is, this. you may not get this yet, but I hope you do. Prayer is sitting at the table in essence with Christ, for we're part of the body of Christ and the bride of Christ. We are joined with Christ and the Bible says He has seated us in heavenly places. So prayer no longer is me begging for the scraps from king's table but sitting there and saying man I've been brought to the king's table man there's incredible blessings for me but there's authority with her and so sometimes prayer is praying and asking and petitioning but do you know that sometimes prayer is commanding do you know that sometimes prayer is prophesying do you know that sometimes prayer is speaking life into situations knowing that God is going to anoint your words and he's going to bring life you're not begging God to do it, but you're speaking faith into that situation. Maybe you're in an impossible situation right now in life and so forth, and you've got to get and realize where you've been, where you've been attached to God, and then say, Man, I'm gonna speak life into this situation. I'm gonna speak life into my family. 
do you know that you're, many times we go to Africa and India and all these kinds of places and we go, man, we went on mission. And whenever you take people on mission, there's this awesome sense of this mission. Man, we're on mission. We got two weeks and we're on mission. I just want to tell you and encourage the church, wherever you are, if you're connected to Christ, you should be on mission. You're just going to pray, God, open my eyes to see the mission. Are you with me? Wherever you see a need, try to meet it. Wherever you heal or see a hurt, try to heal it. Just be led and just say, God, wherever I am, in my family, in my neighborhood, in my work situation, don't you know that tomorrow morning, did you know that yes, work starts, but did you know that God could use you? Wherever you are, for God has positioned you to be an instrument in that place. It doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be quirky. And you'll actually begin to sense, if you'll keep your eyes open to that, you'll begin to sense that God is kind of nudging you to talk to some. God is nudging you to pray for that one. God is nudging you. Faith is not mild or passive. Faith conquers kingdoms. Hebrews 11 verse 33 says this, Who through faith conquered kingdoms. Someone say faith. Did you know that every time God moves, He looks for someone to move through? Every time God moves in the Scriptures, He looks for a man to move through. He looks for a woman to move through. And I believe that many times we, we think we're begging God to show up. He's begging, he's, he's begging for people to go. God wants to use you wherever you are to do His will. There will be a battle in it. There will be a fight in it. And so, man, I just want to challenge some of you, especially men, to become a praying man. 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 man. For you can be a powerful man or a pitiful man. It is up to you. And all the men said, I can pray. Come on, I can pray. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, who quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Some must say, through faith. Some must say, it's, it's, it's time to push. Come on, we're going to pray until something happens. Do you want a passive, apathetic Christian experience? Do you want a passive, apathetic Christian experience? It's time to pray until something happens. Catch the fire today. Catch the burden today. Catch the burden that if all of us gather behind the vision of reaching more people, Start pushing together. Something's going to change. Something's going to happen. And we're going to keep pushing until something happens. We keep serving until something happens. Listen, sometimes you can share your story, but you need to share your story until, until his story becomes part of their story. Do you believe to be an overcoming church? Come on, church, do you believe to be an overcoming church? Come on, do you believe to be an overcoming Christian?
Come on, do you believe it? It's time to push. It's time to push. It's time right now to push. It's time to push. Close your eyes, bow your head with me. Father, I thank you for this time and this moment. And I just ask, oh God, that you would take my many times feeble attempts to communicate your message, God. And I just pray, oh God, that there would be a, a fire ignited in the hearts of people and the minds of people. Lord, and there would be, you would take this word and apply it to each and every situation in here. Lord, that it wouldn't be misconstrued or, or taken the wrong way. But God, there would be a supernatural order that would know how to not condemn but convict and just to shed light into each and every situation. For I know that each person is on a different path, oh God. And so I just pray that you would begin to stir your people in a powerful way and that each one would run after the very dreams that you would put within their heart and our church would unite in a powerful moment, God. Lord, week by week and month by month and day by day that we'd be able to push and see more people come to You. We'd be able to push, God, and see more done for Your kingdom. We wouldn't back away. We wouldn't shift. We wouldn't get into apathy or fear. But God, there would be a supernatural fire upon us. But I pray at the same time, there'd be such a wisdom upon us. There'd be such strategy upon us, God. Oh God, anoint Your people now. Anoint me now, oh God. Anoint us now from on high. Anoint us now, oh God. If you believe for the touch of God, why don't you just lift your, lift your palms up, Lord, and just lift your hands. And just believe that this moment, something right now just quietly begin to say God just stir me up stir me up pour out fresh oil on my life fresh oil on my life fresh favor on my life fresh fire on my life let me see where I need to push let me see in my work life in my relationships let me see in the areas of my life God the Holy Spirit I pray would just give great clarity now in the areas of your life Maybe you don't serve in the house, but God's just going to give you a desire to serve. Maybe you're not connected, and God's just going to give you a desire to get connected, for you cannot push if you're not connected. Holy Spirit, just walk across each aisle. Even now, I believe the Holy Spirit just ministering to people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Every single one of us is called to do something for God. Every single one of us. If you'll draw near to God, He'll draw near to you. If you'll seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you anyway. If you'll delight yourself in the Lord, He shall give you the desires of your heart. 
if you'll commit your way unto the Lord and trust also in Him, He shall direct your paths. He has a future and a hope for you. Future and a hope for your family. Future and a hope. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Man, today I shared about Jesus and he has overcome the sins of the world. It's our mission to see people come to Christ. And you may be in here today and you've run away from God. Maybe at one time you invited him him into the home of your house, but for some reason you've sent him to the attic. You've sent him to the basement. You said, God, only in the bad times I'm going to talk to you. Or maybe you're here today and you've never said, Jesus, come into the heart of my house and come in, oh God. And today, you can do that. Listen, the greatest decision you'll ever make is the decision to believe and trust and rely on Jesus. Jesus doesn't just want to come in and be a Santa Claus to you. He wants to come in and be your father. He wants to come in and be your friend, but He wants to come in and be your Lord. Our response is to open the door. If you'll hear His voice, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, I will come in and eat with Him and He with me. If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ, if you're here today and you've pushed Jesus somehow to the attic in the basement of your life and you sense the touch of the Spirit of God and you're willing to say, yes, Jesus, come and be actually the most honoured guest. I've sent you to the wrong places, but let me now come and give you the right chair. If you're here today and that's you, all across this place on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand, raise it up real high and say, Anthony, that's me. I need to come back to God or I need to accept God right here, right now. regret following Jesus, but you will regret turning from Him. Three, all across this place, anyone here? Say, Anthony, I need to come home. Thank you, man. Anyone else? Real quick, all across this place, just say, Anthony, I want you to pray with me and for me. I don't want to embarrass you, but I am just going to take a moment real quick. Yeah, thank you, man. Awesome. Anyone else? Real quick, just responding to the Lord. Man, you pushed Him to the attic. You pushed Him to the basement. Maybe you've never accepted Christ. You don't know that He's in your life. Maybe you someone else here. Just real quick, just say, yes, I need to respond to Christ. Come on, a couple of seconds left. Maybe you're here right now. Those two that responded, it's awesome. But anyone else, real quick, say, yeah, that's me. Anyone here? Come on, as a church, let's pray together, Jesus. Thank you for paying the ultimate price for me. And I pray right now, you come in the door of my heart I invite you in I give you the greatest chair be the boss be my father be my friend help me follow you anoint me now help me now to be changed from this day on and everyone else pray with me today Father help me push 
past every barrier, every hindrance that would stop me fulfilling the call of God that sits on my life. Help me push. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, come on, everyone said, do you receive the word? Hey guys, thanks so much for watching. I pray that this message has impacted your life in a powerful, powerful way. If you feel like it has, email us at connect at churchalive.tv or if you accepted Christ today for the very first time or you feel like you're running back to the Lord today, email us again and let us know. I know that's going to be encouragement to me. It's going to be encouragement to other people who serve as part of our church. God bless you. See you next time.